0: mm Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network Today we're going to be covering Chapter 19 of Mysteries of Creation Pages 181 to 190 The title of this chapter is Eternal Destiny of Earth and Man We'll dedicate the program And we'll get right into the reading our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we come to thee father this day and dedicate this time unto thee that we might learn the eternal destiny of this earth and of earths like it we love thee father we thank thee for the plan of salvation we thank thee for all those that have done those things that are needed to excel and become the Elohim. We thank Thee for their willingness to be subject unto Thee. We thank Thee for our Savior and those saviors on those worlds who have paid the price for sin and transgression. We thank Thee, Father, for those who are willing to become the Adams and the eaves of worlds without number. That Thy work and glory might come to pass to bring the eternal life of man and the immortality of man and to fill the universe with Your creation. We thank Thee, Father, for the plan that Thou has worked out that we all might be able to become more like Thee, that we might be able to understand Thy work and Thy glory. We thank Thee, Father, for all the blessings that Thou has given unto us. We love Thee and we love Thy servants who have served us, that we might learn of Thy work and Thy glory. All of the prophets, Father, and all of the apostles who have done the work that you have sent them to do. We thank thee, Father, that our Savior was obedient unto thy plan, that he did the work that we might come back into thy presence. And we thank thee, Father, for the Spirit, for testifying of truth, that we might know truth, that we might not be left in darkness but receive revelation and inspiration from Thee, if we turn unto thee and unto thy prophets to learn of the plan of salvation and the eternal destiny of man and of the earth we love thee father and we ask for thy blessings to be upon us as we dedicate this time unto thee to study these things and we do these things in the name of Messiah. Amen. The Eternal Destiny of Earth and Man, Chapter 19 of Mysteries of Creation, Episode 698, pages 181 to 190. Parallels of Earth and Man. The earth, like man, was once in the presence of of God and is a living creation. Brigham Young said, The earth is a living creature and breathes as much as you and I do. Teachings of Brigham Young, Volume 3, page 241. Like man, the earth also had a spiritual creation or birth before it became temporal or physical. And real quick, um... I want to reference the two different creations. So, in the book of Bereshit, or Genesis, we're given two different accounts of creation, and a lot of scholars and theologians who do not have revelation, they don't understand why there are two different accounts of the creation, and they're not the same. Um, They don't follow the same uh, number of, uh, how do you say um, like events that happen in the first one are not in the same order as events that happen in the second one um, one is the first one is a spiritual creation so all things are created spiritually before they're created physically and this actually has to do with the earth as well this earth was created spiritually before it was organized physically and that's why it talks about like man the earth also had a spiritual creation or birth before it became temple or physical and it's the same thing with men and women Um, as I've talked about in the past um, God has shown me how the spirits become self-aware from the intelligence so the intelligence is eternal but the spirit has a beginning when the intelligence becomes self-aware, the the feminine and the masculine energies actually uh, separate and you have a male and a female spirit. Now, I don't understand exactly how the Earth uh, fits into that, but I do know that it has a, a spiritual creation before it has a physical creation. And... Um, like, I, there's a lot of people out there that don't understand these things, but God has given us more revelation and more information concerning these things. So I talk about these things because God has told me to be bold in my witness and to teach the people, so that's what I try to do. Continuing on with the Revelation, or, I'm sorry, with the chapter, this is, this, then this sphere fell from the presence of God and it too must follow the gospel plan of redemption so it was once in the presence of God and then it was uh, then it fell according to the plan it was all one of the things that drives me nuts (laughs) so I used to attend a seventh day Adventist church and then I've attended lots of different churches throughout my life but they, they kind of get on Eve for being so horrible that she actually ate the fruit, but that was part of the plan. One of the things that I've said to people, and it doesn't seem to click with them, is like, you know, if God didn't want there to be a fall, he didn't have to put the tree of life in the garden, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Like, he didn't have to do that. He did that for a reason, because he wanted to give them a choice and they made the choice that they would fall and in order for them to have the knowledge of good and evil they had to partake of the fruit. In order for them to have children they had to partake of the fruit as well. There had to be a fall. But we know that Jesus Christ was prepared from before the foundations of this earth for the fall which means that they that God understood that there would be a fall, but there was a way to come back from the fall. But this whole thing, as we've learned in talking about these things and reading this book and uh, reading the teachings of the presidents of the church and the restoration and the prophet Joseph Smith, that the fall was a necessary part of the plan of salvation. And like, as God has shown me personally that we have the opportunity to grow and to gain a, a better resurrection but there is a plan an eternal plan for our exaltation and that it might take um, a number of of lifetimes to get to the point of exaltation, but that God in his mercy has devised this plan so that we can learn and grow and be put in the different situations in mortality that we might gain the understanding and the um, the experience needed to have of uh, these higher blessings. Continuing on, because of its fallen condition, an atonement was required to rede- redeem the earth. According to Parley P. Pratt, who was one of the leaders in the early church, this atonement for the earth was made by Jesus Christ, Quote, Christ offered himself a sacrifice for this earth, for men, for the animals, for fishes, and the creeping things, Christ died for the earth and for the elements. Christ died for all mankind upon its face. Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, page 315 and 316. Prior to this atonement, however, the earth experienced a baptism by water at the time of Noah, and it will receive another baptism of fire sometime in the future Brigham Young explained quote this earth in its present condition and situation is not a fit habitation for the sanctified but it abides the laws of its creation it has been baptized with water and will be baptized by fire and the Holy Ghost and by and by will be prepared for the faithful to dwell upon Journal of Discourses, Volume eight, page eighty three, or on page one hundred and eighty two, for those of you who are following along. And from Orson Pratt, quote, Now do you not see that there is a similarity in regarding in regard to God's dealings with the earth and the inhabitants who dwell upon its face? The earth has to undergo a change as well as our bodies. As our bodies may be burned at the stake, the ashes blown to the four winds of heaven, so will the earth be burned and pass away. And in the same manner, or as our bodies are renewed out of the elements which once entered into their composition, or at least a sufficient quantity thereof to make a new body, so will the earth have to be renewed again and resurrected, redeemed and made immortal from the elements of which it was formerly composed, so that those immortal beings who are brought forth from the grave will have an immortal earth to dwell upon. Journal of Discourses, Volume 16, page 300 and. Uh, 23. End of the earth and the world Similarly, the earth must die as a living body For the seeds of death have been sown within it It too fills the grief from sin and sorrow in its fallen condition The prophet Enoch wrote an interesting account of this And it came to pass that Enoch looked upon the earth And he heard a voice from the bowels thereof, saying, Woe, woe is me, the mother of men. I am pained. I am weary because of the wickedness of my children. When shall I rest and be cleansed from the filthiness filthiness which has gone forth out of me? When will my Creator sanctify me, that I may rest, and righteousness for a season abide upon my face? When Enoch heard the earth mourn, he wept and cried unto the Lord, saying, O Lord, wilt thou not have compassion upon the earth? End quote. Now it can be found in the book of Moses, chapter 7, verses 48 and 49. We are on page 183 at 20% for those of you who are reading along. Orson Pratt gives the following information which answers these questions. Read the key to John's revelations published in the Pearl of Great Price and you will find that there is a very great work to be performed after the 7,000 years called the Millennium has commenced. You will find that the seven trumpets are to sound preparatory to the beginning and finishing of his work in the morning of the seven thousand years, just as the Lord performed a work in the seventh day of creation, when He planted the Garden of Eden and placed the at placed the man Adam therein, He performed quite a temporal work in the process of creation on the morn of the seventh day, and so will so He will perform a work at the beginning of the seven thousand. 7,000 years after the 7th millennium shall open and the nature of, of the work which will then be performed was typified by that which God performed in the beginning in the beginning of the 7th day or time of creation he placed man in the garden of Eden free from the curse and says the key of John's revelation In the morning of the 7,000 years, he will sanctify the earth, redeem man from the grave, and seal all things to to the end of all things. Journal of Discourses, Volume 16, page 325 It is at this time that the earth will be renewed and receive its paradisaical glory. As it states in the 10th Article of Faith, It should be kept in mind, however, that this is not the same as the earth's baptism by fire, at which time the earth becomes as a sea of glass. This great change occurs after the millennium or the 7,000th year. During the, the millennium, the earth will exist in a terrestrial condition, as it was before the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden. Then after its baptism by fire, it will be resurrected, purified, and celestialized, and become a sea of glass. And we're on page 184 at 32%. Thus, there is a striking parallel between the events in the history of the earth and those in the life of a righteous man, which includes his baptism by water. Receiving the Holy Ghost, his baptism by fire, and ultimately resurrection in the celestial kingdom. An editorial in the Times and Seasons, which is a publication of the church back in the Nauvoo Times, explained the progress of these events. Quote, and again, verily I say unto you, the earth abideth the the law of a celestial kingdom, for it fulfilleth the measure of its creation, and transgresseth not the law. Wherefore it shall be sanctified. Yes, notwithstanding, it shall die. It shall be quickened again, and shall abide the power by which it is quickened, and the righteous shall inherit it. For notwithstanding they die, they shall also arise. They also shall rise again a spiritual body. The, the earth, as part of the creation of God, has and will fulfill the measure of its creation. It has been baptized by water. It will be baptized by fire. It will be purified and become celestial and be a fit place for celestial bodies to inhabit. It will become the residence of those who have abode a celestial law and none others Times and Seasons Volume 5, page 408 The purification of the earth by fire will be a literal occurrence The earth and everything that is upon it must experience a literal fire for the pur- the purging and cleansing necessary to prepare it for a celestial glory As the following passage describes quote, but the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Second Peter in your Bible chapter 3 verses 10 and 12 or on page 185 at 44%. And every every corruptible thing both of man or of beast of the field or of the fowls of heaven or of the fish of the sea that dwells upon all the face of the earth shall be consumed. And also that that of the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and all things shall come be, shall become new, that my knowledge and glory may dwell upon all the earth. Doctrine and Covenants, section 101, verses 24 through 25. Regarding the cleansing and the resurrection of the earth, Orson Pratt says, quote, now how does the lord make this new earth he makes it out of the materials of the old one this very earth on which we dwell whose elements are to be melted and sanctified with fervent heat in order that the saints may reign upon it will be resurrected the elements thereof will be brought together again as they were in the beginning, and they will be sanctified and purified and made holy and celestial, and become like a sea of glass. Journal of Discourses, Volume 16, Page 200. I'm sorry, Page 323. And this leads up to the next section, the sea of glass. This expression, the sea of glass, was explained for us by the prophet Joseph Smith. One, what is the sea of glass spoken by John 4th uh, chapter and 6th verse in Revelation? Verse 2, and it is the earth in its sanctified immortal state. So and that's from Doctrine and Covenants section 77 verse 1 and 2, I think. Oh, let's see here. Oh, maybe that's just one. And they separated it into two sections. All right, so we're on page 186, or 52%, and we're cruising through this one today, which is not always the case, but um, so we're on page 186 of 52%, uh, and this is another quote. While at dinner, I remarked to my family and friends present that when the earth was sanctified and became like a sea of glass, it would be one great Urim and Thummim. And the saints could look in it and see as they are seen. We learn that the place where God resides is a great Urim and Thummim. That the earth itself, when sanctified and made an immortal sphere, will be a Urim and Thummim to the inhabitants who dwell upon it, whereby all things pertaining to inferior kingdoms will be revealed to them. And to each of such inhabitants an individual Urim and Thummim will be given, which, through which knowledge pertaining to kingdoms of a higher order will be revealed." Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume Five, Page 279. I think that's pretty cool. So, when this Earth becomes a fire of seeing glass, um, we'll be able to basically look through time and learn things of an inferior of inferior kingdoms, but also that we're given a special yarmulke that's personal to us that we will be able to see kingdoms. That are of a higher order. So, this is the celestial kingdom that we're talking about. The earth, when it becomes a fire of seeing glass, is that of a celestial glory. But here we learn, and this is in the Do- Doctrine and Covenants as well, here we learn that we're going to be given a stone so that we can learn about kingdoms of a higher order than the celestial kingdom. So when they talk about, oh, there's three degrees of glory, those are the first three degrees of glory that we know about. There are degrees of glory that are higher than exaltation. There are degrees of glory that if we were able to be in the presence of those places, They would wipe us into molecules. So I've talked about this in the past. I was shown by our Father in Heaven how the spirits are created from the intelligence. And I was shown the the self-aware awakening of God the Eternal Father and God the Eternal Mother in the great past and it's been made known to me that if I were to see them in their their glory at this present time that I would not be able to withstand their glory at all like you have to be prepared to come into their presence because their glory is so much higher than exaltation it's like um, I, I don't know I don't even know how to describe it And I don't think I would have words to describe it, even if I had an idea of it. But just know that there are suns out there that are millions of times brighter than our sun. And that's not even comprehensible to us. Like, our sun is a dim yellow star, but it's so very bright to us. Its glory is great. In fact, I can see its glory right now as I'm reading this shining through uh, <laughs> the uh, mirror on the back of my uh, curio cabinet that's by my front bay window in, in my house. Like, And it's, like, pretty bright, right? But can you imagine a million times brighter than that? Like, what that even would be like to experience it. You know, and the flash of a nuclear bomb like it still doesn't compare in glory to the glory of the brightest stars. And that's kind of like to look at the sun is like the celestial kingdom. But to behold the glory of a star that is a million times brighter than our sun is like to, uh, to experience the glory of those kingdoms that are higher than the celestial kingdom. Anyway, just something for you to to maybe ponder over or consider if you choose to. Continuing on with the reading, and further knowledge was included later in the Doctrine and Covenants, quote, The place where God dwells or resides is a great Yeram and Thummim. This earth, in its sanctified and immortal state, will be made like unto a, uh, unto crystal and will be a Yeram and Thummim to the inhabitants who dwell thereon, whereby all things pertaining to an inferior kingdom or all kingdoms of a lower order will be manifest to those who dwell on it, and this earth will be Christ's. Doctrine and Covenants section 130 verses 8 and 9. Now some people want to throw a uh, throw section one thirty out because William Clayton was the one who penned it and they have a problem with William Clayton. I don't I don't think that their um complaints are relevant just because they don't want to accept certain things in in Doctrine and Covenant section uh one thirty verses eight and nine or whatever. Um and i don't know if this really is a correlated thing or correlated whatever it so it's the same section which talks about how jesus christ yeah and the father have a body of flesh and bones but the holy spirit is a spirit and people want to throw this one out because they think that joseph smith is god the witness or the holy spirit Which would contradict section 130. So they have to throw out section 130 because Joseph Smith at that time had a body of flesh and blood. Which the Doctrine and Covenants in section 130 basically says, no, that that's not how it is right now. Like when Joseph Smith received this revelation... The Holy Ghost was waiting to take himself a body to do the same or similar things as Jesus did. And Joseph Smith taught that in in another place. So, um, But in Joseph Smith's last sermon, which is called the Sermon at the Grove, Joseph Smith basically confirms the things which are in D&C 130 to a point and so those people who want to throw 130 out because they don't like the fact that Joseph Smith is not God the witness um they have to throw away this this section and they have to throw away the, the last sermon that Joseph Smith ever talked about and like he wasn't even able to finish that sermon all the way because rain came so I just uh I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like, people, they're so slippery that that they, they want to get out of things um, and try to find excuses and reasons why something's not right. Now, I guess I am kind of the same way, and I guess I'm going off onto a little tangent, but um, I don't believe the 613 laws in the Torah are all legitimate. And so maybe I can be thought of as somebody who doesn't um, want to keep the law so I just make excuses and I guess some people would probably think that. Um, it's just that in the book of Lehi, which I have, um and it's not one that's been published. I, this one is, is private, and I'm I'm keeping it to myself um, until God reveals that I should share it with people. And it's just too much. I, there's too much deep stuff in this. That it's even deeper than uh, the stuff that I already talk about for me to share. And God has not revealed to me that I should share it. But in this record that I have... Um, we learned that King Josiah's priests they convened a council when they con- they said that they had found the the book of the law of the Lord in the temple which the, had the Torah in it and that they convened a council and that they they presented this um, this Torah to the people but. The problem was that Jeremiah and Lehi and others of the prophets of that time they all knew each other and they they gathered together in something that they would call the school of the prophets and when they examined what Josiah had presented it did not match the actual scriptures that the prophets had that King Josiah who was an ignorant young man in his 20s when he was king, he added many vain and foolish things to the six to what we would consider the the six hundred and thirteen laws of Torah and so i I've heard that other people would call this the Deuteronomist they they consider that, There was a group of people who added these laws and that the the original Torah was not as complex or as filled with ridiculous laws as as the one that, the original one. And I I would take that position simply because of the knowledge that God has given me through being able to read the book of Lehi for myself. And what I'm talking about is the original 116 pages that Joseph Smith had. Well, that was an abridgment of what the Book of Lehi was. I have the unabridged version of the Book of Lehi, which is very extensive in its uh, in its uh, knowledge, basically. And um, I, I don't even know what to say, but I do know that um, the things that were revealed to me in that book were revealed to me for a purpose. So, like, when I look at the 613 laws and when I look at these other laws in the Bible, I think, well, they were created by a immature king who did not have the word of God with him. And you know how people say to the victor, uh, the victor is the one who is the victor, gets to determine what the history is. Well, that's what this is. Like in the the Bible that we have, um, Josiah was called one of the greatest of all, you know. But God allowed him to die. By the hands of his enemies. At an early age. And I don't know if he was so great. Why would God let that happen? Like, and I'll tell you how it happened. They were in battle against uh, King Nebo in Egypt. And King Nebo himself threw the spear, spear. S-P-E-A-R. Spear up in the air and it, it went through the um, between the head and the neck plate on King Josiah's armor and the shoulder armor and the chest plate like that spear went down into the top of his, his neck and pierced his heart he was like 20 21 or 22 years old he was a very young man and I wonder why God allowed that to happen and I think it has something to do with the fact that he added all of these ridiculous laws like for instance you shall not um, lay in the same bed or sit on the same chair as your wife who is in menstruation or you'll be unclean for seven days or whatever this Foolishness is that comes from an immature, arrogant, nineteen or twenty-year-old man whose name was King Josiah. Now I understand that that there is a a, a shadow of the original laws within the Torah, um, but people like King David. They talk about the Torah, and if if David talked about it and he referenced it, um, it's probably going to be that he knew and understood the original Torah because he lived long before King Josiah. And Jesus Christ Himself, I believe, he would have understood the original Torah, but he was not able to. <sighs> he was not able to reveal that to the Jews of his time because of their hard heart and their stiff necks so when people like uh, the rabbis of today they say oh Jesus changed the law and that actually is a, a prohibition in the Torah you're not to add to or take away from the Torah well did he really change from the original law or was he just bringing people back to it. It's kind of like in the scriptures where Paul talks about if, if a man or if anyone comes to you and tells you anything other than what we've told you, you tell them or that they're the the devil or whatever. I can't remember exactly how he puts it, but, and the Christians will say, Oh, the book of Mormon, you can't say like it's different or whatever. And, but here's my point. If they had changed things and that's all you have is what was changed and a prophet comes to bring you back to the original, to the truth, to the fundamental foundation of the religion, are you going to flip out because they're changing stuff that had been added that is now part of your tradition? You probably would. So, how in the world is a prophet supposed to do that? well, that you know Jesus Christ he taught things which seem to add to the Torah, but I don't believe that they did add to the original Torah so I don't know it's just it's just something that. I've contemplated in my years, um, you know, sitting in in lonely silence and listening to scriptures and just thinking about things as I as I drive or whatever. So, well, some of you don't know that I have been a truck driver since, uh, well, technically since 1994, but I did not get my CDL, my Class A CDL, until 1995. And then I did serve a mission for the LDS Church in 97, starting in 97, and 98. So, um, you know, I haven't been driving for a a straight 28 years, but pretty close. Um, You know, and, and that's been good for me to to study and ponder and to listen to the words of the prophets and and all the things that I've been able to do in that time and to read uh, to read books on to, to tape and then to listen to it so I can review the things that I've I've learned and think and ponder on those things and I'm grateful for that time that I have had <laughs> but um and I know I'm going off onto some tangents now, but, um, so last week I had an MRI. Now I had an MRI a couple of years ago and they found, uh, two bulge discs in my neck and one in my upper back and arthritis and bone spurs and degenerative disc disease and all the fun things. Well, I finally was able to get an MRI on my um, my mid to lower back, and they found three more bulged discs, so that's six in all. Um, two of them are the largest kinds of bulged discs that you can have, <clears throat> and one of them has a tear in it called a an annular fissure there are extrusions and intrusions and one of them is, is blocking or pinching my S3 nerve path that goes down my right leg which is why my right leg is numb a lot and I have these shooting pains in my legs uh, in my right leg from time to time so um, being a truck driver Is something that uh, God put me into, and he did that so that I would be in isolation. I mean, there was years after my mission, many, many years, like five years, when I was just an over-the-road truck driver, and there was times when I had no human contact other than maybe a, a handshake with somebody, and that was it for months and months and months, and then very like, short periods of time where I'd actually have any kind of human contact as far as like physical contact with anyone, like a hug or anything more than a handshake. And these handshakes usually come from strangers. You know, like other truck drivers that I would meet in the, the truck stops that are at the shippers or the receivers that I might talk to, or a driver's lounge or something. I was in isolation for many, many years up in the cab of my semi-truck watching the dotted line going down the road. But that time for me was a time of spiritual growth. And it was kind of like when Paul, after he had experience with Jesus Christ, and and he received his vision back and was baptized by Ananias, Um, he disappeared for a number of years, and he went into the Arabian Desert, probably down to Mount uh, Sinai to Elijah's cave, and he spent a lot of time by himself in contemplation. And, you know, then he came back when he was strong enough. (laughs) And he figured out whatever it was that he needed to figure out in his isolation. And I believe that God used a semi-truck to put me in a place where I would have time to consider many things. Like, and pray about them and receive revelations and visions. Um, You know, and... I enjoy my time in the semi-truck for the, the fact that I'm able to uh, earn money for my family and for myself, but also that I'm able to study and to learn. But one of the drawbacks of that is now I've got six bulged discs, degenerative disc disease, which means at one time, I was a little bit taller than I am now because my discs are deteriorating and I'm getting shorter. (laughs) Um, three and a half million miles will tend to do that to the, the human spine. So, um, I've got a tear in one of my discs, um, extrusion bulges and intrusion bulges and blocked nerve paths uh, in my for my right leg and for my shoulders and my arms and my hands uh, from my neck and uh, I'm in pain a lot Um, but that's the price that I've had to pay and it it, you know God could have made me a homeless man to get the same results but but he knew I wouldn't be able to deal with that so being a truck driver is what he's uh, had me do for all of these years and I appreciate that I'm thankful that I have had the opportunity to to be a driver and I'm thankful that I'm still a driver and hopefully um over the next Six to eight weeks, I will be receiving three different shots in my spine to help me to be able to not be in this so much pain. That I might be able to continue on doing um, driving, basically. Um, and eventually I'm going to have to have my my spine fused in several different spots but we'll deal with that as it comes it's just I was thinking about it this morning I know I'm going off into tangents but this sun is blinding me in this mirror <laughs> anyway um, I'm 46 years old and I have arthritis arthritis Degenerative disc disease, bone spurs, and six bulged discs. Two of which are the the biggest kind of bulges that you can have. There's times when I have to walk with a cane, and there's times when I cannot even walk. And I don't even know what else I would do if I wasn't a truck driver, and it kind of scares me. It makes me worried that I won't be able to work at some point. And even though I've been told that I should be on disability, I don't want to be on disability. I want it to be independent and I want to be able to provide for myself and my family. So this this is a hard thing that I'm dealing with right now. But anyway, let me try to ignore this sun that's blinding me right now. <laughs> Brigham Young also com- commented on this future glorified condition of the earth. Quote, if the people could fully understand this matter, speaking of baptism, they would perceive that it is perfectly reasonable and has been the law to all worlds. And this world, so benighted at present and so lightly esteemed by infidels as observed by Brother Clements, when it becomes celestialized, it will be like the sun and be prepared for the inhabitants for the habitation of those saints and be brought back into the presence of the Father and the Son. And we're on page 187 at 63%. It will not then be an opaque body as it is now, but will be like the stars of the firmament, full of light and and glory, It will be a body of light, John compared it, in its celestialized state, to a sea of glass. Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, page 163. We shall go and come, and when we are in eternity, we shall be on this earth, which will be brought into the immediate presence of the Father and the Son, we shall habit different mansions and worlds will continue to be made formed and organized and messengers from this earth will be sent to others this earth will become a celestial a celestial body and be like a sea of glass or like a yerm and thumbumum and when you sh- and when you wish to know anything you can look into this earth and see all the eternities of the gods and, sh- and or we shall make our home here and go on our mansions as we do now but it but at its greater but at greater than railroad speeds Journal of Discourses volume eight, page two hundred. So I gotta take a little bit of a break here just to stretch and cause I'm I could sleep all day and all night. <laughs> um, but one of the things that really sucks about all of the problems that I have with my back is I can only sleep for four or five, maybe six hours. And then my back gets so bad that the pain causes me to wake up, so I don't ever get a full rest. Um, and I survive on caffeine when I'm driving my my semi truck for the 14 hour shifts. Uh, which I'm that's another thing that I when I'm on my four days off, um, I'm trying to recover so I can go back to work a Part of the recovery is with with staying or withholding or with withstanding with whatever. It's not not using the caffeine and the vitamin B and all the things that I use to stay awake when I'm at work. So like like uh, yesterday, I I slept on and off all day long. Of course, my back would start to hurt, and I'd have to walk around and and try to help that but anyway i'm gonna take a little bit of a break now we're at 68 percent and then i'll be right back you won't even know that i'm gone so it is interesting that even scientists have concluded that if this earth ever experienced extreme heat it would become like glass the industries that manufacture glass companies Uh, that manufacture glass products tell us that there is so much silica, lime, potash, and other products in the earth that if the earth was melted at an extreme temperature, it would become a ball of glass. See Science Digest Special, July 1967, page 45. A new heaven and a new earth. The promise has been given that the earth will return from its fallen place to again be placed in its former residence with God The prophet Joseph Smith said This earth will roll back into the presence of God and, crowned with, and be crowned with celestial glory Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 181 So, real quick before I get on to the next quote by Brigham Young um, So, you know how in the book of Revelation It talks about all of the stars falling and the heaven is rolled up like a scroll. And the sun is darkened like black sackcloth, but the, mood, the moon turns to blood. What do you think happens when the Earth is removed from its orbit around this solar system? the The sun would disappear. It would be like another star in the sky. But the moon is coming with us. So you'll have the light of space... But you're not going to have the sun. So the sun will disappear like... It'll be like black sackcloth. But the orbit of the moon will still continue to go around the Earth. And we'll still be able to see it. And it just reminds me of... Like, have you ever watched Star Trek? Any of them? When they go in... Or Star Wars. When they go into hyperdrive or whatever that is. And you have the stars falling past the the vessel... So this is going to be like the Death Star, except for it's not going to be a Death Star or whatever. It'll be like, you know, the Earth. And we're going at a high rate of speed during the millennium for a thousand years back into the presence of God the Eternal Father. Or maybe just Kolob or whatever, whatever it is. And we're we're going through space, and the stars in our galaxy are flying past us at a great rate of speed as we travel at a very very high rate of speed through through the galaxy, or maybe through interstellar space, or something like that. I I don't know. I just it's just something I've thought of when um. When I'm thinking of, like, the Earth being placed back in the presence of God, we're going to leave this solar system. And all of us on this whole Earth, all the living and all the dead, are going to go back. So, and maybe we'll be all resurrected at that point. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, it's just interesting to think about. So, Brigham Young commented, This Earth will abide its creation and will be counted worthy of receiving the blessings designed for it. And by the way, we're on page 188 at 73%. And we'll ultimately roll back into the presence of God who formed it. Journal of Discourses, volume uh, volume 8, page 8. And again, this earthly ball, this little speck, uh, this I'm sorry this little opaque substance thrown off into space is only a speck of the great universe and when it is celestialized it will go back into the presence of God where it first it was first framed Journal of Discourses volume 9 page 317 The apostle Orson Hyde elaborated on this grand occasion by beautiful, beautifully explaining What becomes of the earth then? Why, says the prophet, it shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage and the transgressions thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. If the earth falls, which way will it go up or down? Tell me, ye wise men, ye philosophers, will not the greatest and most powerful planet attract it whether it goes up or down? For the greater bodies attract the lesser. If the earth falls and is not to rise again, it will be removed out of its present orbit. Where will it go to? God says it will. Ga- he will gather all things into one. Then he will gather the earth likewise and all that is in it in one, and gathering will be upon a larger scale in time to come. For by and by the stars of heaven will fall. Which way will they go? Will they ra- rally to a grand center? And there be and there will be one grand constellation of worlds. I pray that that we may be there and shine among those millions of worlds that will be stars in the Almighty's crown. The earth will have to be removed from its place and reel to and fro like a drunkard. The fact is it has got to leave the old track in which we roam in, roamed in times past and beat a new track and saith the Lord, come up here. What is he going to do with it? Why, take it where the sun will shine upon it continually and there shall be no more night there. And by the way, I put on page 189 at 85%. And the hand of God will wipe away the tears from all faces. Come up here, O earth, for I want the saints who have been pa- who have passed through much tribulation to be glorified with you. And, and then will I give the earth to the meek, for I will take the curse from it and rebuke the destroyer for your sakes and bring all things into subjection with you. And you shall dwell in everlasting night. Now it is half day and half night. But I tell you, it is not going to be half and half, but there will be no night there. We will have one sun to shine upon us. Oh, I'm sorry, we have but one sun, one sun to shine upon us. But when the earth is taken out of this orbit, we will be in contact with the rays of other suns. That illuminate other spheres. Their rays will dazzle our earth. And make the glory of God rest upon it. So that there will be no more night there. Journal of Discourses, Volume 1. Pages 129 and 130. The Lord said, Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Matthew chapter 5 verse 5. The earth shall be exalted in a, in the celestial presence of God, and so will righteous men. According to President Brigham Young, this earth has probably descended into deeper levels of sin and wickedness than any other any of the others of God um, others our God ever created. And that's just speculation Brigham Young is having. But as a result of overcoming this, its exaltation will be greater. Quote, We are inhabitants of a world of sin and sorrow, pain, and anguish. Every ill that can be heaped upon intelligent beings in a probation we are heirs to. I suppose that God never organized an earth and peopled that and peopled it that was ever reduced to a lower state of darkness and an ignorance as this. I suppose, see he's speculating, this is one of the lowest kingdoms that ever, that ever the Lord Almighty created. And on that account is capable of becoming exalted to be one of the highest kingdoms that ever had an exaltation in all the eternities. Journal of Discourses, Volume 10, page 175. And we are, I think this is the last page here, page 190, at 97%. So we're almost done here. So like the earth, those men who can pass through the darkness, wickedness, and temptations of this world and yet remain faithful will be rewarded with a place among the highest mansions of God's kingdom wow what a promise what great destinies await those men of God and then um, apparently there was a picture in the original book I'm just reading this offline Andromeda Galaxy, one of the most impressive constellation of stars or suns depicting the gathering of celestial worlds. So I have the, uh, oh, I have the, uh, excuse me, I have the original or the, uh, the book around here somewhere, but, um, I'm just reading this offline on my reader program. Um, and I read it last night while, My wife was sleeping because I could not (laughs) fall asleep. But anyway, um, the next chapter will be the conclusion of this book, which is chapter 20 on page 191. So I was going to try to get this one um, uploaded to the podcast last week, uh, but I had so much problems. Oh, excuse me uh getting the last chapter chapter nineteen uploaded and then trying to get the YouTube and all of this stuff done and like it took me I think it was three days and I just ran out of time I wasn't able to do this one so all of the prep work takes time the reading takes of course that takes time um and then trying to get this um to upload and do all the things that I have to do. It all takes time. And, um, for some reason I just, I couldn't get it done. So I don't know why I, I like it was, it wouldn't upload right. And I kept having to delete it and then re upload it. And then I had to redo the screen recording for the video on YouTube and that never worked. And I don't know I, the last one was about um many atoms and um it just uh i don't think the adversary wants people knowing about that stuff Uh, because it was just uh it was it was like fighting it was like trying to swim up class eight rapids like not possible anyway it was just difficult and I finally had to give up the uh, the video part and just, uh, you know, put it on uh, the way I put it on. So, anyway, um, I hope that you at least enjoy the program. And, uh, oh, man. I wish I could stop yawning. So, I'm not getting up as early in the morning as I used to to do this but my my 18 year old and my 4 year old are still in bed so I have to actually go get them up and get them ready for the day so anyway I think uh, I think we're done with the program for today and I hope that everybody has a blessed day and that I hope that you enjoy these programs and uh, thank you for listening I hope everyone has uh, a wonderful week take care